part five of the light invisible by robert hugh benson this librivox recording is in the public domain part five under which king all such knowledge as this whether it comes from god or not can be but of little profit to the soul in the way of perfection if it trusts to it yea rather if it is not careful to reject it it will bring upon it great evil for all the dangers and inconveniences of the supernatural apprehensions and many more are to be found here the ascent of mount carmel within a day or two of our conversation on st teresa i asked the old priest about what is called quietism a friend had given me an old copy of molino's spiritual guide and i knew that the writer had been condemned and imprisoned for life and yet i could not understand in what lay his crime it is difficult to put into words said the priest or even to understand why certain sentences are condemned since it is probably possible to parallel them from other catholic mystics whose names are honoured yet the fact remains that the result of molino's teaching was neglect of the sacraments and of external means of grace which was not so in the case of the schools of other mystics but i will tell you a story he went on to illustrate the effect of certain kinds of mysticism and i must leave you to judge whether my friend was right or wrong in what he decided for i must tell you first that the incident did not happen to me on the whole i may say that i have my own opinion on the subject but i will not tell you what it is as sometimes i am strongly inclined to change it however you shall hear the story shall we take a stroll on the terrace and when we had reached it he began my friend was a priest of about thirty years of age this happened some forty years ago he was working in the country at the time and had a great deal of leisure for reading and this he chiefly occupied in the study of various mystics and most of them of the quietistic school you know too that one of their characteristic lines of thought lies in the abandonment of all effort save that of adhering to god and even that is to be a passive rather than an active effort the soul must lie quiet says one of them and be drawn as if by a rope up the mount of perfection the slightest movement will check or divert that swift and steady approach towards god but my friend not only studied writers of this school intellectually but he put himself more or less under their spiritual direction he told me afterwards that it seemed to him that if he used the sacraments faithfully and if he found that his devotion towards them did not cool he would be sufficiently protected against possible extravagances or heresies in his spiritual reading his daily meditation too he told me began to mean more to him than ever in his lifetime the presence of god seemed more real and accessible and above all the guidance of god in his daily life more apparent the time that really matters as he said to me once is the time between our religious exercises and in this time too god manifested himself in fact from all that he said to me i have very little doubt that his character and spiritual life were both deepened and purified at any rate at first by his devotional study of these mystics one word more before i begin the actual story i said just now that the guidance of god began to be more apparent in his daily life 
there are two main ways of settling questions that come up for decision and both ways are possible to a religious man one way is to lay stress on the intellectual side to weigh the arguments carefully and decide as it were by reasoning alone the other is to lay comparatively little stress on the arguments and the intellectual side generally and to make the main effort lie in the aspiration of the will towards god for guidance we may call them roughly the intellectual and the intuitive now of course my friend's mystical studies inclined him more and more towards the latter he told me in fact that in the most ordinary questions in his visiting his people in his preaching in his dealings with souls he began more and more to refuse intellectual light and to trust instead to the immediate interior guidance of the holy ghost more than once for example he laid aside the sermon he had prepared as he entered the pulpit and preached from a text that had seemed to be suggested to him of course it was not so good from the literary point of view but that as he very justly said is not the most important question in judging of a sermon he seemed to find he told me that his spiritual power in every way developed both in his interior life and in his dealings with others in his conversations too he would allow long silences to come if it did not seem to him that god moved him to speak at other times he would drop conventional modes of speech and say things that humanly judged were calculated to do the very opposite of what he personally desired sometimes in such a case his wish was attained and sometimes not but in both cases he forced himself to regard it as if he had succeeded in short he acted and spoke in obedience to this interior drawing and disregarded consequences entirely and this i need hardly say is one road to interior peace and then at last a startling thing happened there had been some crime committed i have not an idea of what it was two men were involved in the consequences one whom we will call a had committed the crime but he could only be prosecuted if b whom he had seriously injured consented to take action now my friend was deeply interested in a and he thought he knew that the one chance of a's salvation lay in his being allowed to go unpunished but lord b who by the way was an irish peer of no importance himself though his father had been well known was a hard vindictive man and had publicly announced his intention of ruining a in this state of affairs my friend was asked to intercede by a and his friends lord b lived in a large country house some four or five miles from my friend's house he was an unmarried man but generally had his house fairly full of his friends who did not bear the best possible reputation my friend arrived at the house by appointment with b whom he did not personally know towards the close of a rainy autumn afternoon in spite of his anxiety he had resolved to be guided as usual by the interior monitor whom he had learnt to trust and he had hardly thought of a single argument which he could use yet he felt confident that he was right in coming and equally confident that he would know what to say when the time came as he got near the house this confident sense of guidance increased to an extent that almost terrified him it seemed to him as he walked under the dripping yellow branches that a strong almost physical oppression carried him forward 
as if in a dream he saw the manservant appear in answer to his ring and heard as from a great distance the man tell him that lord b had come in a little while before and was now expecting him in the smoking-room on entering the house these curious sensations which he hardly attempted to describe to me seemed to diminish a little and he felt cool and confident he told me that the sense of oppression resting on him was dispelled as if by a breeze as he passed along the corridor on the ground floor on his way to the smoking-room in the west wing of the house the servant threw open the door and announced him and my friend went through and the door closed behind him but the moment he had crossed the threshold he felt that something was wrong there was a circle of men some in shooting costume and some as if they had not been out all day sitting in easy chairs round the fire which was to the right of the door my friend could see most of their faces and lord b's face among them as he paused at the door but not one offered to move though all looked curiously at him there was silence for a moment and then lord b said suddenly and loudly well here's the parson at last sermon and all and then two or three of the men laughed my friend saw of course that lord b had arranged the interview in this way simply in order to insult him and that he would not be able to speak to him in private at all as he had hoped there was he told me just one great heave of anger in his heart at this offensive behaviour but he did his best to crush it down and still stood without speaking he had not he said an idea what to say or do so he stood and waited lord b got up in a moment and lit a cigarette with his back to my friend and then turned and faced him leaning against the mantelpiece well he said we're all waiting still there was silence one of the men beyond the fire suddenly laughed now then said lord b impatiently for god's sake say what you came to say and go as this sentence ended my friend felt a curious sensation run over him like those he had experienced in the park but far stronger he could never give me any description of it except by saying that it seemed as if a force were laying hold of him in every remote fibre of his bodily and spiritual being his own will seemed to give up the control into some stronger hand and he felt a sense of being steadied and quieted then he was aware that his own voice said a single sentence of some half-dozen words but though he heard each word it was instantly obliterated from his mind in his description of it all to me afterwards he said it was like words that we hear immediately before we fall asleep in a lecture-room or a railway carriage each word is english and intelligible but the sentence conveys no impression while his voice spoke for perhaps two or three seconds his eyes were fixed on lord b's face and in that momentary interval he saw a terrible fear and astonishment suddenly stamped upon it the mouth opened in loose lines and the cigarette fell out and b's hands rose instinctively as if to keep my friend off one of the men too at the further end of the circle suddenly sprang erect with the same kind of imploring horror on his face that was all that my friend had time to see for the same power that had laid hold of him turned him immediately to the door and he opened it and went out and down the corridor 
as he went the strange sensation passed but he felt the sweat prick to his skin and then pour down his face he heard too as he reached the end of the corridor a bell peal violently somewhere he passed out into the hall and even as he opened the front door a servant dashed past him through the hall and down the corridor up which he had just come he went straight home feeling terribly tired and overwrought and had to go to bed on reaching his house tortured by neuralgia two hours later a note was brought by a groom from lord b written in a shaking hand with an abject apology for his reception in the afternoon an entreaty to him not to mention the subject again which he had spoken of in the sitting-room with a scarcely veiled offer of a bribe and an emphatic promise to withdraw all proceedings against a on the following day he was told that lord b was supposed to be unwell and that the house-party had been hurriedly broken up the night before from that day to this he has never had an idea of what the sentence was that his voice spoke that worked such a miracle that is a most curious story i said what do you make of it and the priest smiled i will tell you what my friend made of it he gave up his study of mysticism yet without in any sense condemning that line of thought of which i have spoken his reasons which he explained to me after coming to a decision were that such a visitation might or might not be from god if it were not from god then that proved that he had been meddling with high things and had somehow slipped under some other control if it were from god it might be that it was just for that very purpose that he had been brought so far but that he dared not pursue that path without some distinct further sign in any case he said no soul can be lost by following the simple and well-beaten path of ordinary devotion and prayer and so he returned to intellectual forms of meditation such as most christians use he died a few years ago full of holiness and good works but for you there are several opinions open either that it was an intensely strong case of hypnotic thought transference from lord b to my friend and that the latter only spoke mechanically of something that lay in the former's mind or you may decide that the whole affair was of the evil one and that a would have been all the better for prosecution and that an evil being somehow found entrance into the strained nature of my friend and used it for his own purposes or that the prophetic gift was bestowed on him but that the ordeal was too fierce and he too cowardly to claim it and there are other solutions as well no doubt possible for myself i think i have formed my opinion but i would prefer as herodotus says to keep it to myself with dyed garments jesu well ought i love thee for thou showest thy rude tree thy crown of thorns and nails three the sharp spear that pierced thee sweet jesu now will i sing when the second post came in one morning i saw a letter addressed to the priest in the trembling large characters of an old man's hand lying upon the slab in the hall when i came in to lunch i found the old clergyman with an open letter in his hand and his face full of almost childish happiness 
i have heard from my oldest friend he said making a little movement with the letter it is months since he has written i have known him ever since we were boys we sat down to lunch but he kept on referring to his friend and to the pleasure the letter gave him we are always planning to meet he said to me presently but we never can manage it we are both so old he is much more active than i am however he is full of good works while i as you know lead an idle life i could not take charge of a church it is all i can do now to serve my own little chapel upstairs where is he working i asked i think perhaps you fancy he is in holy orders but he is not he has been on the stock exchange till a few years ago and now he is living in the country getting ready to die as he tells me but he is full of good works his letter here has news about the village and of a man whose acquaintance he has made in the reading-room there which he himself built a year ago but he is full of plans too and asks my advice it is not often you come across a business man like that i said no he is wonderful but he has been like that for years he has done a great deal all his life among poor people in london for years he never missed his two or three nights a week in some club or in some committee or visiting sick people i began to think that it might have been through the friendship of the priest that this man had been such a worker but presently he began again perhaps the most wonderful thing was the way he first began to do such work let me see have i mentioned his name no then i can tell you otherwise it would not be discreet that is he added if you would care to hear i told him i should be very much interested then after lunch we will have coffee in the garden and i will tell you when we had sat down under the shade of a wall with the tall avenue of pines opposite us making a dark tangled frieze against the delicate sky he began what i am going to tell you now has been gathered partly from conversation with my friend and partly from letters he has written to me years ago i jotted down the order of events with names and dates but that of course i fear i cannot show even to you however i know the story well and you may rely on the main facts i must tell you first that many years ago now my friend who was about forty years old had lately become a partner in his father's firm and of course was greatly occupied with all the details of business it was a broker's firm well established and did a good steady business my friend at that time had no idea of doing any work outside his occupation i heard him say in fact about this time that his work seemed to absorb all his energies and capacity then the first event of the series took place he was coming home one frosty afternoon in december between three and four o'clock on the top of an omnibus he was sitting in front and looking about him he noticed a poorly dressed man standing on the pavement on the right-hand side as if he wished to cross then he began to cross and came at last right up to the omnibus on which my friend was sitting and paused a moment to let it pass as he stood there my friend watching him with that listless interest with which a tired man will observe details a handsome cab moving quickly came in the opposite direction it seemed as if the horse would run the man down it was too sudden to warn him but the man saw it and to avoid the horse sprang quickly forward his head half turned away and his feet came between the front and back wheels of the omnibus 
there was a jolt and a terrible scream and my friend horrified leant far over the side to see when the omnibus had passed the man stood for a moment on his crushed feet and then swayed forward and fell on his face my friend started up and made a movement to go to him but several others had seen the accident and ran to the man and a policeman was crossing quickly from the other side so he sat down again and the omnibus carried him on now this horrible thing remained in my friend's mind haunted him shocked him profoundly he could not forget the terrible face of pain that he had seen upturned for an instant and his imagination carried him on in spite of himself to dwell on the facts of those crushed feet he wrote me a long letter a week or two afterwards minutely describing all that i have told you the following summer he was going down to the kennington oval one saturday afternoon to see the close of some famous cricket match he travelled by the underground railway as far as westminster and from there determined to walk at least across the bridge he walked on the right-hand side and had reached the steps of st thomas hospital he waited here a moment undecided whether to walk on or drive as he waited he half turned and saw a beggar sitting in the angle between the steps and the wall there was a white dog beside him the beggar's face was partly bandaged but what caught my friend's attention most were his two hands they were lying palms downward on the beggar's knees bandaged like his face but in the centre of each was a dark spot showing through the wrapping as if there were a festering wound that soaked through from underneath my friend looked at him in disgust for a moment but terribly fascinated by those quiet suffering hands and then he passed on but during all that afternoon he could not forget those hands i dare say he was overwrought and nervous but his memory too went back to the accident by the marble arch that night too as he told me in a conversation afterwards as he tossed about his windows wide open to catch the night air half waking visions kept moving before him of a man with crushed feet and bandaged hands who moaned and lifted a drawn face to the sky early that autumn he was alone except for the servants in his father's house in london a maid was taken ill i forget the nature of the illness but perhaps you will be able to identify it when i have finished at any rate the girl grew quickly worse one morning just before he started to the city the doctor who had called early that morning asked to have a word with him and told him he thought he ought to operate immediately and asked for his sanction well said my friend of course i must speak to the girl about it have you told her yet no said the doctor i thought i should mention it to you first i understand that the girl has no relations in the world can you tell me the nature of the operation asked my friend it is not really serious it is an incision on the right side and he added a few details explaining the case well said my friend we had better go upstairs together they went up and found the girl perfectly conscious and reasonable she consented to the operation which was fixed for that evening but all that day the picture floated before his eyes of the quiet room at the top of the house and the girl lying there waiting and then the scene would shift a little and he would see the girl after it was over with a bandage against her side and the knowledge of the little wound beneath 
when he reached home late in the evening the doctor was waiting for him it has been perfectly successful he said and i think she will recover now that evening as my friend sat at the dinner-table alone smoking and thinking his old experiences came to his mind again in less than a year he had seen three things none of which seemed to have any very close relation to him but each of which had deeply affected him he told me afterwards that he began to suspect a design underlying them but he had not a glimmer of light strange as it may seem to you and me as to the nature of that design within a month however i received a letter from him from some place in the country where he was staying describing the following incident he had gone down from a saturday to monday to a friend's house in surrey on the sunday afternoon he and his friend went for a walk through some woods autumn was in full glory and the trees were blazing in red and gold and the bramble branches were weighted down with purple fruit as they walked together along a grass ride they heard shouts and laughter of children in the woods on one side they could hear footsteps pattering through dry leaves and the tearing and trampling of brushwood and in a moment more a boy burst out of the thin hedge tripped in a bramble and rolled into the grass walk he was up again in a moment laughing and flushed but my friend saw across his forehead a little thin red dotted line where a thorn had scratched him as the boy laughed up into their faces he lifted his hand to his forehead why it's wet he said and then looking at his fingers why it's blood i've scratched myself other footsteps came running through the undergrowth and the boy himself ran off down the road and the footsteps in the wood stopped retraced themselves and died away in faint rustlings up the hill but as my friend had looked he had seen in his memory those other experiences of the last year and all seemed to concentrate themselves on one figure with wounded feet and hands and side and a torn forehead my friend stood quiet so long that his companion spoke to him and touched his arm. Yes, I am ready, he said. Let us go home. The end of the letter I cannot quote to you. It is too intimate and personal. But it ended with a request to myself to give him an introduction to some friend who would give him work to do in some poor district, and work of that kind he has carried on ever since. The old priest's voice ceased there is one thing my friend did not know he said after a moment when that particular operation on the side is performed of which i have spoken there comes out blood and water a doctor will tell you so and then that is my friend's story he said do you not think it remarkable end of part five